taste more of what is true. I picked that video just because it had a funky beat to it more than anything else. I mean, just kind of get you moving a little bit. So, um, no, it has some good points in there about how big of a universe we have. I don't know how often you just go outside and sit under the stars and think about how awesome God is, how big He is. Uh, it's something we don't do too much anymore. And unfortunately, the way our, our society kind of works is it's, it's communicated enough times over and over again that all those things up there in the sky just kind of happen by chance. I think it's even played with the minds of Christians a little bit because we just kind of walk around and go, oh, yeah, that's no big deal. There's just stars up there. But it's a pretty big deal. And you think about how, how far away they are from where we are. You think about how hot they are and how when God spoke, he could just breathe them into existence. I mean, it really humbles you. I mean, you, you think about how small we are in comparison to the universe. God's huge. He, his glory is, is something that you and I, we only see a glimpse of it. And if we could see all of it, we'd be so overwhelmed, we'd probably die. I mean, that's what you see a little bit in Scripture. When people see just a glimpse of God, they're so overwhelmed with Him and His presence that they can't stand up in His presence. That's how massive He is. People will say, well, can I see God? And I, I think the best way I, I can understand this or explain this is explain to me this way. If you want to see all of God, go out to the middle of the ocean and be dropped in the ocean and say, now I can see the ocean. That's what it would be like to see all of God. Is that even possible? No. God is so massive, so big, we can never see all of Him. He, he blows our mind in a lot of ways. And I think one of the most amazing things when you think about the power of God and what He's able to accomplish is just life in general. And so uh, I, I have this spectrum. I have this, this wide range of ages I'm dealing with at home. So I've got an 18-year-old and a, a 10-month-old. And it's, it's incredible to look. I remember when Emily was first born and, and holding her in, in our hands and not really knowing what we were getting into other than we have a child now and here this child is going to be growing and we're responsible to take care of her and so forth. But, but really to watch them grow and, and experience life, that's something that, that really ought to blow our mind. I mean, there's the inanimate objects out there and sometimes we can reproduce those and recreate those and but let's be honest, you can't create life. Nobody in here can create life. There's no scientist on the earth that re can recreate life and personality and, and those types of things. But God did. And He created them, and it's amazing to watch them. You, know, you kind of see their eyes open, and they begin to, to pull life in. They begin to start to make their own decisions. They smile on their own, and, and then... They start to, to reach out and touch things, and of course, then everything has to go in their mouth to experience that, you know. And then they start to crawl and walk, and, and pretty soon they're starting to talk. And at first, all is good until they can start talking back. And then it's amazing how quickly, quickly they learn the words no and stop and uh-uh or whatever, you know. And so, so that's kind of that development. And then they keep continuing to grow until, you know, they're a, what we consider adult or classify as an adult, and they're off on their own, and they're starting to make those own decisions and spread their wings and so forth. And you're like, man, I had a part in that. But be honest, beyond, you know, just some of the, the little bits and pieces along the way, God's the one that created that. 
It's like a farmer who throws a, a seed in the ground. I mean, it, it sprouts, and you can water it, and you can get the ground ready and everything, but on its own, it grows. That's life. God created that. And it's amazing, and it's awesome. And we ought to be in awe of it. And so we've been going through this summer, you know, doing our, our series in Psalms to talk about how awesome God is and that we ought to be in awe of Him. And in awe is just kind of this sense of, of standing before God going, oh, I, I don't have anything to say. He's so massive. He's so big. He's so powerful. He's so wonderful that we're left speechless. That's what it means to be in awe of the greatest power of all time. And so that's how we're ending our series today. We're, we've gone through Psalm. Next week, we're going to jump into the book of Esther. Next week's going to be a big Sunday for us. We've got our four-year anniversary. So I don't know if you guys realize that, but um, we will have completed four years uh, at Involved Church starting next, next, some, uh, next week. Um, and so that's pretty cool. Uh, we're going to have baptisms, so we've got a couple more people to baptize. That's always exciting to see people make a public profession of their faith in Christ. Uh, and we're going to start a new series, and we launch into life groups. So that, that all happens next Sunday. So it's a big Sunday. Uh, hopefully you can make it and, uh, and rejoice with us in those things. But, um, but we'll be going into Esther. And I'm excited about that because it's a story that tells of God's providence and about, uh, about a couple people who are really courageous with their faith in who God is. But we've got to finish up Psalm first, so that's what we're going to do today as we go into Psalm 150. That's where we are, Psalm 150. We're going to talk about powerful praise. And uh, when you think about all that God has done, we should be moved, we should be encouraged, we should want to come together and praise God. We can do it individually, don't get me wrong, but it's an awesome thing to be able to worship together and praise God together. So here's... Here's our big idea for the day. Our powerful God deserves powerful praise, so don't hold back. Now, I'm a holdbacker, okay? Um, I don't think that's a word. I don't think that's an actual word. Maybe we could start it. If Josh starts tweeting that, we can start a whole new thing, right? All right. We're hold, are we holdbackers? I don't know. Um, I, I can be a holdbacker when it comes to worshiping God. And part of the reason is, is you feel this, this pressure to worship Him in the right way because when you're in a corporate setting like this, you can begin to say, well, I don't know what so-and-so over there thinks about the way I'm worshiping God. And maybe you were brought up with that kind of pressure in your life. And if that's the case, then maybe you're a holdbacker. And one of the reasons that was explained to me is, well, you don't want to be too distracting or you don't want to pull attention to yourselves, which I think is interesting because if we just worship like this in fear of other people around us, we're also doing it with the wrong motives, right? God is such an awesome God. God is such a powerful God. God is such an amazing God that we shouldn't hold back in our worship. So I think I, I can be guilty of that at times, whether it's raising of hands or whatever it may be, whether it's moving a little bit, you know, to a, a funky beat like that, whatever it is. You, you can start to feel kind of that, like, ooh, you know, what are people around me going to start to think or say? We shouldn't have to do that when we worship God. Now, it also talks about in Scripture how, and we're going to see in this passage, that we worship Him with a joyful, noisy celebration. 
And some would say, well, maybe that's just not our culture today. And, and maybe that's not a church culture, but you know what? It is our culture that we worship victories or we praise and we triumph and we have great, loud, noisy celebration over victories. And here's a great example. We're going into football season. Okay, we got high schools and colleges all over the country. What happens when they make a touchdown? What happens with the band? They get loud, don't they? I mean, could you imagine the band director going up there saying, hey, flute, come out here and do a little ditty, and then just go sit back? That doesn't happen. Right? They're like clashing cymbals and trumpets are blaring. Every instrument is turned up to the max and they are producing noise. And oftentimes, 20, 30,000, depending on what your you know, stadium holds, the, the people are up on their feet and they're shouting and they're jumping for joy. I guarantee that was happening yesterday for some of you in your living rooms. Right? There's a joyful celebration. I've been able to go to, to one NFL game preseason, so I couldn't even make it to a regular season one. Preseason one, so it's probably toned down a little bit. But when they make, you know, when they make a, 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 a victory, when they have a touchdown, I mean, you've got like explosives going off. You've got 60, 50, 60,000 people standing up on their feet shouting. The whole stadium is blaring music. You've got lights flashing everywhere. It's a celebration. And what are they celebrating? A ball that's like 10 inches going over a line. I know there's a lot more to it than that, but, but in reality, that's what it's about. And we have the God of the universe who forgives people of their sins and restores a relationship with people who don't deserve relationships to the Almighty God. He does all of that What's our victory celebration look like? So you come to the end of Psalms, 150 chapters worth, and here I think there's a purpose for 150, and that is just to come together and say, let's praise and worship this awesome, mighty God. And if we hold back, shame on us. Because God's not afraid of us worshiping Him with a noisy celebration. And you're going to see that when you look at this psalm. So let's uh, go ahead and read it together, and then we'll walk through it as well. Hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. Okay? Hallelujah, praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty experience. Praise Him for His powerful acts. Praise Him for His abundant greatness. Praise Him with trumpet blast. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with string and flute. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. Praise Him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, as we dig into Your, your Word today, I, get, I pray that You would teach us, guide us, direct us, that You would not only help us understand what it is, that we would, we would put it in our minds and our hearts, and that we would be affected by it in such a way that we would worship and praise you, that it would encourage us in our faith and our walk with you. We love you. We thank you for what your son has done. He's given us a new life. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I want to start with another story here that I think is going to help us understand what it means to walk into the sanctuary. 
Exodus 3, 1 through 5, it says, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire with a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. And so Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Now, you're probably going to have one or two responses there, right? Let's go look at it or let's not go look at it. Okay, so Moses was bold enough, courageous enough. He steps up. He goes over and looks at it. He says, why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look... God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And again, we would do one of two things, run, which probably most of us would do, or say, do what Moses, here I am, he answered. So he responds. And then verse 5, God speaks to him. He says, do not come any closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Or in the the words of Psalm 150 is a sanctuary, holy ground sanctuary. It's the same Hebrew word that's used there. And the idea is this, that God, when he says, this is a holy spot. Now, you, you rewind the clock 30 minutes before this, it was just a piece of dirt on the earth. But when God says, this is holy ground, it becomes holy ground. Not because there's some special dirt there, but because God says it's holy ground. So when you come to Psalm 150, it says, Hallelujah, praise God in His sanctuary. I think what Psalmist had in mind was probably the temple or maybe the tabernacle, depending on when this was written. The tabernacle would have been before the permanent temple was, was built, so it would have been like the, the tent structure. That was the place that people gathered together to come and worship Him. Well, we live in a different time. We live where we don't have that temple or tabernacle, and so God gives us a holy, totally different concept. Okay. Now, he does go on and says, praise him in his mighty expanse, which is in the universe. He talked about that, walking out and seeing God and all of his awesome power just in the universe. But here we're talking about his sanctuary and how it applies to us today. So here's a couple things in which we want to see. One, we want to praise this powerful God, his way, and in his world. And in 1 Corinthians 6.19, it talks about how we need to know that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, he says, we are a temple who, of the Holy Spirit, and, and he is with us, whom you have from God, and, and it's given to us. And so, you are not your own, you were bought at a price, so glorify God with your body. So, he talks about our body, and he says, well, the Holy Spirit is in us, we've been united with Christ, and there's this really unique, cool relationship we have with God now because of what Christ has done for us. So, individually, we can worship, but then the Scripture goes on to talk about how we ought to come together. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ. So we all come together to form the church. The church is called the body of Christ. And so we come together individually, members of one another. There's an amazing thing that happens, and I think it's backed up in Matthew 18, 20. It's a, it's a difficult passage. You're actually going through, and it's talking about church discipline and how you have to make some important decisions. And the point that he comes to, he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among you. And Jesus makes this point that when two or three people come together, they do things better than individually. And so the church was designed for people to, to come together to worship and encourage and love one another or make important decisions like in verse 20 of Matthew 18. 
Now, as you reflect on this, or I reflect on this a little bit, I know that I can go home and I can pick up the guitar and I can play a few chords. Not very good, but I can play a few. And, and I can sing and I can take a, a box or a cajon and I can kick it with my foot and I can make a little bit of music. It's not going to be very good, but I can make a little bit of music. I can worship God that way. I can read Scripture, I don't have to have any music at all, and I can worship God that way, and I can praise God that way, and I can pray, and and there's worship there. But you know what? When I get together, it's even more powerful. When we get together, we we might bring in our whole family, and Rebecca might play, and then I'll, you know, play a cajon or a box or whatever, and then, you know, our kids will start singing, and then that'll build a little bit. And then you come to church, and it's even bigger and better. And then there's praying and encouraging, and there's more talking, and there's communion with each other, and all those types of things that builds it, and it's, it's better. That's why God gave us this body. And we don't just do it here at Involved Church. I mean, it's, it's you know, in churches in other cities, and you know, I mean, there's more churches here in Nampa doing the same thing, worshiping together. God has given us the body so we can do that. So it talks about how we ought to worship His way and His world, and the way that God has called us together to worship corporately is through the body of Christ, the church. And we do it His way in in this expanse, in this world, and we do it because His work is powerful and good. And we've talked a little bit about God's power and how amazing it is, but we also need to remember how good it is. That's what he talks about here. So he he gives us the where, praise him in the sanctuary, praise him in his mighty expanse, and he gives us why, because of his powerful acts and all that he's created and all of that. And and then he says, for his abundant greatness. The reason you and I can worship God and have a relationship with God the Father is because of his son, Jesus Christ. The greatest thing God the Father has ever done is given us his son. He's given us his son so he could take our sins, and give us that relationship to work or to worship Him, to live for Him, to honor Him. That's the greatest thing, and we shouldn't forget that. So, so you have the where, and you have the why. Now let's move forward and praise, praise Him how. Here's the how. It says, praise Him now with the trumpet blast. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with tambourine. And should we say dance? Like, there's got to be a different word for that in Hebrew, right? Like, no, it's good. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with the resounding cymbal. And praise Him with the clashing cymbal. There's a couple things that are taking place here. I think I'll just mention them in a, a list form here. We ought to praise God and reflect His power when we praise Him. And we can do that with a variety of instruments. So he names several here. You've got a trumpet, you've got a lyre, you've got a harp, you've got a tambourine. And then you have probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible, verse 5. Praise him with the resounding cymbal and praise him with clashing cymbal. There's a reason why I love that one so much. I like loud music. Now, I don't like the like, loud music that, you know, when you stand in front of a speaker, it like, peels your face off. So... When I go to a concert, I will put in, like, I, I'm, I'm old enough now, I'll actually put in, you know, little whatever in my ears, whatever I can find. If I forget, I'll put a cotton ball in. I've even used gum wrappers, you know, just to kind of cut it down a little bit. But what I love is the low end, like, 
I don't even have to hear it. Just moves your, you know, chest, you know, just, you know, just kind of vibrates you. And uh, you should be thankful that Rod runs sound because if I was running sound, in fact, I even told him this morning, I'm like, turn the bass up more. I'm like, just get it going. So we're like, the stage up here ought to be shaking and moving, you know, type of thing. Um, and so when people are like, well, is that, is that biblical? Yeah, Psalm 155. Look at that. Praise God with clashing cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. That's loud. Praise Him with a trumpet blast. Praise Him with these instruments that are going to make noise. And it's not just like a little toot. It's not that. That's not the picture He gives us here. It's like excitement and joy. It's like going to a college football game and they score a touchdown. And the band explodes. It erupts and takes off. That's in the culture today, and that ought to be in our praise and worship. So he talks about a variety of instruments and songs. Then in the New Testament, he talks about hymns and spiritual psalms, uh, songs and psalms and those types of things, which I think is a wide range. God allows us to worship Him in a lot of different ways. Now, one of the things that I do want to make clear is God's not saying this is the way to worship. I think what helps us as we go through this passage is understand that God's saying it's okay to worship. In fact, He's okay with that kind of worship. He's okay with noisy symbols. He's okay with, with, with gongs that, that go off and make loud noise and trumpet blasts and, and harps and lyres and all that. He's okay with that. And if that's the way we culturally celebrate, that's the way we, we have a victory and we, we do, we celebrate that way, then why don't we do that with Christ? Why do we get more excited about a piece of leather going over a line than we do about Christ dying on the cross and rising from the dead? We really ought to think about that. And, and I'm guilty of it. Okay, I'm guilty. I know some of you right now are thinking about your teams and they're, they're selecting, you know, who's going to be on. Well, the final roster came out, but there's still all that trading and stuff going on. And some of you are, are picking your fantasy football teams today, right, or this week somewhere along the way. And, and that's exciting. And maybe you can't even think about the service because that's all you can think about right now. I don't know. But we ought to be thinking about what, what Christ has done and worshiping and celebrating Him. Well, the last one there is with joyful movement. Uh, not only do you see in Psalm 150, verse 4, that we're to praise Him with tambourine and dance, but I'm going to also take you to Psalm 149.3 to let you know it's not just in one place but two places in the Bible where it says, Let them praise His name with dancing and make music to Him with tambourine and lyre. There's a reason why I bring this out. It's because it's something we don't do often. In fact, I think I said last week, I haven't seen it done in a church that I've pastored or been part of before. And that is this whole idea of, of dancing and worshiping God in a, in a way that we would dance, to have some sort of, of joyful movement for Him. And so I don't know if you guys know this, but we have a professional dancer in our church. And so... I, uh, I asked her, I said, would you help me pull ourselves out of our comfort zone a little bit and, and dance for us? And it's not going to be a super long, it's like a couple minutes, I think, but I uh, want to see how we can worship God through dance. And so Jessica Odewalt is going to come and perform a worshipful dance for us, 
and uh, we can worship through watching her do that. You got music back there? We'll go back and start that over. Ready? Okay. Thank you. That was that was cool. So, um, and and it it just shows that as a body we can do a lot more. Because I, I guarantee you, if I had worked on that and danced, you guys would not be clapping. Um, it'd be a lot of laughter. But so that's just it's amazing how God can use different people in different ways and, and give them abilities and talents to worship Him. So uh, we, we corporately don't dance. Uh, Luke kind of talks about how we have a, a sway in our church. And, and maybe that is our, our joyful movement. But, uh, but if you, you know, have that, that desire or urge, or you just feel like, man, I think God wants me to raise hands right now or get down on my knees and worship Him or something like that, uh, we want you to know that's okay. Because that's... Um, you know, the, the Spirit moves, and, and there are times where emotionally we are caught up in our worship with God, and it's okay to worship Him in different ways like that. Well, he ends with verse 6. He says, let everything that breathes, which means that if you're alive, right, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So that's, that's the challenge we have as we kind of come to a close here and we think through, are we taking uh, what we have and giving back to God? And is it, is, it, is it powerful? Our powerful God deserves powerful praise, so don't 
hold back. So a couple thoughts here at the end as we are challenged to respond. One is this question, are you holding back when you praise God? What do you need to let go of? So is there a fear? Like I say, I can be a, a, whole, a holdbacker, I guess, um, because I'm concerned about what people will think. And that uh, disrupts my worship of God because it ought to be for Him and not for the people around me. And so I know that that's, that's true of me personally. That's what I need to let go of. Uh, whatever you can reflect on that question and think about that here for the next couple of minutes and think about what maybe it is for you. And then the second question here is for the whole series, really, is how has this marveled series helped you reflect more on God's work in your life? Overall, if you look back just this summer, what has God been doing to help you reflect on His work in your life, and how can you praise Him with that? So we'll give you a couple minutes here um, while we transition and and allow this song to go, and you can uh, pray, talk to God. If you want to write, you know what, number two there, if you want to take your response response card and just write on there somewhere, this is how it's affected me, and drop that in the offering plate, that's awesome because it's encouraging to us when we're like, hey, you know, we put some time and effort into to helping worship and lead and teach to be like, hey, this is what this this is what this series has meant. That's encouraging as well, and we appreciate that. And so, if you want to do that, you're welcome to. Um, but if you just want to reflect on it, that's okay too, and and think about those questions and how it's impacted your life.